All right, guys. Hey, my name is Dr. Sharnell Wolverton Sihan. Today, Craig and I are co-hosting an awesome opportunity interview to have Tony Rodriguez back with us. He's been on the show, I don't know, four four times, I think, and um, very excited to have him back back because he has his book out, and we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as whatever else pops up with the questions. And um, just really excited to have you back. Tony and hey Craig, how's everybody doing? You guys, how's I'm doing day? good. It's been a great day. Uh, you know, <clears throat> this format, I usually have a green screen, so I got that fuzz around me. So I'm just going to roll with it. Um, it's been a great day. Thanks for having me back. The book has been received well, and it's been a huge load off my shoulders. Um, you know, getting the book done really exercised a lot of the demons of, that I felt, and I didn't realize it. But like once you write, think you know, mem remembering, th thinking about things is a completely different thing than having them tangibly written on paper. Mm. And then something like what I went through to have it, put it behind me. There's a real, there's a real relief, you know, like I'm not saying, I'm not saying I'm over it all or anything, or, you know, that I've forgotten it, but there's a real sense of completion. Cause I really was there for a long time. I mean, it took me six years and for a long time I was, I wondered if I'd ever get the book finished and it wasn't for Jackie Kenner and Andalara who helped me transcribe it. If it wasn't for them kicking me in the butt, I would have still been writing it. So, <laughs> well, and for those of you who are not aware of what this book is actually about, um, some of you know we had Dan Willis on last week about um, the secret space programs and the, the 20 and backs. And this is actually about his story of a 20 and back and his abduction. And I know, Craig, you have a ton of questions and lots of stuff to dive in. I have my share too, but. Craig, you know, how are you doing? And then start with your questions and we'll just go from there. Yeah, no problem. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a huge fan, Tony. I've been listening to you for quite a while now and I'm, I'm really um, honored to be able to actually talk to you. Um, I'd just like to apologize at how red I am. The sun has made an appearance in the UK. Um, <laughs> hey, it looks good. It looks I healthy. Just, I, don't, I don't go brown. I just go bright red. So uh, anyway. Um, I can't wait. I tell you, it's, uh, we're just thawing out here. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's just just about turning here in in, in England now. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm I'm um, I've, I've said to you, Messenger. I'm about eighty percent uh, way through the book at the moment, um, and and it's just it's 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 a difficult one to describe because I mean we we, we spoke with um, Tyler and Tyler and Aaron recently, you know, from Journey to Truth, mm -hmm. um, and 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 I said at the time, you know, I I didn't ask to be to 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 know this stuff it kind of came to me um and, and i mean <laughs> their response is well that happens to people who've usually had some form of experience and i'm like well i don't have, at this moment in time i don't have any memories or anything like that but but that's that's a, a different side um but your book is is really just just impacting me in a very very deep way and and i can't really describe it um it's it's very very you're very vulnerable in it uh, which I'm grateful for. You know, you're very real and very open, quite graphic at times as well. Um, but that just get, hit, adds to the impact of what really goes on in these programs. Um, so I guess for me, my first, the first thing that really impacted me was how it all started. Um, you know, when you were a child mm -hmm. and there was this kid at school, right? I don't want to ruin the book for anyone who's going to read it. Um, but this has been a, a question of mine for a long time. You know, since I started, um, about 2016, I started um, listening to this kind of testimony and 
getting into the secret space program thing. Um, and I always had the question, like, how how are these, how are people chosen? How, you know, at what point does this go, right, that's the one, let's let's have them. And your your book answered a que that question for me. So as much as you want to sort of describe um, how it started and, and, and this, this kid that was at school and, and it was his dad, wasn't it? Yeah. So they were a family that has um, the ability, access, you know, administrative access to one of these programs that has the ability to sign people up and say they were just looking for. And, you know, coincidentally, in, uh, in 1982, when I was 10 years old, when I was going through this, it turns out later, you know, now that I'm an adult and I research this and people contact me with their own information. Coincidentally, in 80 to 82, the black, the CIA and the black projects, the secret space programs really acquired a lot of funding. Like they cleared, they cleared a lot of black budget uh, obstacles out of the way and they were very expanding, uh, very much so in those years. They, you know, the moon base got built uh, through this, through the late seventies and early eighties. It was, I could smell wet paint my first trip there. I, I could smell wet paint on the walls. So it was that early that it was happening. But so these were people that had access and I think that there are administ like, um, you know, administ whole administrations. They're, they're like an administrative level. So they're looking for people with genetics, they're looking for people with performance, and they watch you and they watch your kids to see what kind of... I think most people that go into these programs are groomed at a very young age. I, I've Since I've gone public, I've had thousands of people, literally thousands of people contact me. I talked like four this week. People that contact me and say, man, I think I went through something like it and I want you to uh, help me out. I just want to talk to you and make sense of it. Let you tell me what you think. And so I have a I have a fee for that now because I couldn't keep up with everybody on my website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I still do. They're still coming in. And what I've found is that for the the majority of them, uh, you know, 60, 70 percent of the people I speak to, it begins at a very young age. So they're being groomed. They're 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 being groomed. And some people even, I believe, prenatally, prenatally. Yeah. yeah, like in the womb, they're being they're being turned, you know, genetically um, enhanced for whatever purpose so and that's there's not that's on one side and the other side is is the category that i was in was people that were in the wrong place at the wrong time and i've done a lot of uh you know the guys that i were living with on series in this facility that i were in were basically a mob of guys like it was like a prison crowd these were guys that were most of them were very criminally minded very ill-behaved people and I believe that that's why our prison system is as large as it is, because they're taking people for labor, slave labor to build out infrastructure into the colonies in the solar system and in the nearby stars. Um, I went back and found, and it turns out that in, in the United States, when they abolished slavery, it's totally illegal to own slaves unless they were convicted of a crime. So the 13th Amendment is worded as such. They don't say what level of crime, a speeding ticket or murder, whatever. They don't say what level of crime, but it's perfectly legal to uh, enslave prisoners. And lo and behold, we have private owned prisons and the largest prison population on earth because they are in, they, people are going to jail in the United States for very small things for a very long time. And this explains you know, a very, a very good source of slave labor available yeah. to them. So I'm, these are ifs, I'm connecting dots, obviously. But from what I went through, what I experienced, I went through as a slave, as labor, you know, and that's why I wasn't groomed for what I was doing. And I think that that's, you know, was it part of the perfect storm of me being able to remember what happened? I was somebody that was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And actually, 
um, in fact, went through the wrong programs for somebody that I was. I shouldn't have gone through what I did. It was kind of unjust. And there was just a perfect storm of things. Like I'm still turning up. There are still mind-blowing things uh, that are happening today that explain how I got my memory. Like there's no one, there's no one magic bullet of like, why do you, Tony, why does Tony remember and nobody else remember? It's not a magic bullet. There's a lot of things that contribute. That's what Craig and I were talking about earlier is like with Dan is your memory is so, um, you know, and, and I've talked to you about this too. When I was starting to get my memories, you know, I had got to a point where I was kind of feeling like I can't handle it. I was having a breakdown and I was on that like teetering point of like, do I keep going and trying to remember more or do I stop? And I had talked to you and some others and said, you know, and I, I just had to back off because I, I, it was so even with all your memory to not be a complete mental basket. Uh, I don't you know, it's it's. Um, uh, oh, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> I, won't, I won't claim it. Um, it. It is the feeling. So halfway through in the early on, my my memory process happened quick, like in the for, in the course of like three months, I got big chunks of memories and. I had that same feeling of do what do I want to remember more when I started looking at when I found the house in Seattle on Google and those memories happened there was a real there was a real moment where it's the sensation of standing on a cliff to jump in water and it's scary you know what I mean if you don't do this all the time if anybody's ever cliff dove you stand there and you're like you know that you're going to be fine but you're still there's once you go down you're not going to get back up and once mm-hmm. I I knew that once I remembered what happened because I, I had a few flashes and I went, whoa. And I knew that once I, if I was going to keep remembering that I wasn't going to get go back to that innocence that I had. And I was, you know what I mean? I, I was curious of what happened. But in fact, I integrated and had to dispel a lot of the things that happened. And it explained a lot. It explained a lot of trauma. Like I was deal, I had the I had the scars. I had the, the hangover of trauma and I didn't know why I didn't have the cause. And so once I got those, once I figured those things out, it was a lot easier to deal with, you know, and when you do get memories, so so we're talking about suppressed memories. So industrial grade memory erasing, blanking, whatever, blocking. Once Uh, you do remember, you are not the same person that you were, you know, you are that person, but you integrate and become part of that person that you were. And so it's, it's, profound and a lot of people are you know want to go get regressions they're like eh. i think i was involved i'm gonna somebody told me i was involved there's a lot of people doing that nowadays i think it's dangerous mm-hmm. um it's a dangerous thing there are some people that shouldn't remember there are things that you shouldn't remember you want to integrate being a mass murderer or you know what i'm saying something that you don't want to be like people have been went into these programs and are forced to do things that are terrible and so they may you know some things are better off left in the past yeah so it's different for everybody i think where we're at in the conversation of disclosure i i encourage people if you can remember i think you should and i think you should speak about it publicly because we need to make this information uh a a household thing that's how we're going to get disclosure at this point we're powerless to to tell the governments and the the military what to do we're powerless to tell them what to do and tell us uh what's going on so the way the other the other route is to make it widely known so that subconsciously we tell them what to do and that's that's where we're at so i think everybody should do their part and kind of spread the information i and i'm starting to see um i wonder for years i thought man i'm talking about this stuff and there's not really a pushback 
Mm -hmm. It's not really. Now I'm getting them. They're they're starting to put out TikToks that are making fun of me, and they get like 10 million views, like way bigger audience than what I reach. And, uh, but, and, they're, and they're negative. <laughs> they're very negative. They're my testimony, and they cut it up and make it look like it doesn't make any sense. So, but whatever. So I, the information's got to get out there. This is real. You know, this yeah. is a real deal. And you have no idea, even though it's all to make fun, who who would see that and actually have a related um, from that too. Because just like you said, Washington was a thing for me. Part of my wake up was my son-in-law uh, is a is in the military, um, special forces, ranger, all that. And we he happened to be on the base, one of the bases that I grew up on where some stuff happened. And I didn't have a memory, but I was going back to with him and he was just like with my daughter and he's like, let's show you the base. And I started passing by a building. Oh my God, I'm going to start again. But, um, you know, just different things. And I was like, holy shit. And like just my body and everything. Um, and you know, even what you said about how far do you go or how much do you talk about it? Um, there are people who do remember and drugs, alcohol, suicide, like they don't make it. That's so, right. There is a fine line of what to, how far to go. And yeah, definitely some of the stuff. I mean, even with Craig, when, when I first started talking to him about it and well, both of y'all, um, there are days I didn't get off the floor in the fetal position um, of just thinking like, I don't even, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Um, but, you know, there, I had an integration and I'm very thankful for your support and you're just like making me feel not as crazy um, because it feels crazy to, to have these, like, you know, like someone throws glitter in the air is all, you know, the analogy I use, it's like all these like spots of things that you, I thought were my imagination until they start coming together and then different things trigger and then more stuff bleeds through. And uh, yeah. So, um, Anyway, Craig, it looks like you're about to say something. <laughs> I, I was just thinking when you were saying that, it was actually this this secret space program that actually caused you and I to meet each other, other Sharnel, if you remember. Yep. Because um, I was, um, I, I assume we're okay to talk about the, the person. Um, it, I was <laughs> a while ago um, on a on a and a with Corey Good. Um, and um, just as a, as a guest, you know, like a guest, I, you know, I asked him a question, you know, and it was, and, and I was really delighted that were chosen and, and you spotted me on there and like, and you were like, I know you from somewhere. I'm like, I don't think you do, but anyway, well, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and so that this is, this is what brought us together to do this really. Um, and um, I just think, you know, so, sometimes when I'm going about my day, you know, my normal three dime third dimensional life you know i'll be shopping and i'm and, and these things are on the mind i'm thinking am i crazy you know <laughs> it, I, i'm just here just just living my life and, and and knowing this stuff is going on um you know for you tony do you, do you, do you ever sort of think like you just get mixed up with the the almost double life you know absolutely yeah I have to constantly. So, I, you know, my my weekdays, I do I do interviews or consultations on the weekdays. I try to schedule everything for Saturday and Sunday. And so I'll go through a normal week of just being a normal guy, guy drive, you know, doing a, a construction job, driving a truck. And 
you know, I'm a normal guy. It's like hamburgers and pizza and, and, you know, I have living my life. And then on Saturday I go, Oh my God, that all did happen. You know, like in the, especially in the early years, in the first few years I did it, I, I really had to sit down and go, you know, how do I unpack this? How do I, did this have, and I would always go, you know, back over there. There are a few things that inst- things that I researched that like, there's no way that I could have known my way around that Island in Seattle, the way I do. There's just no way. There's just no way. And so for me to go and I, cause I don't want to believe this stuff myself, especially in the beginning, like it would be a lot um, easier on me if, if I would have had my memories back and there was some explanation, like, look, you, you had some kind of episode. We got some medicine here. Take that. You know, if there would have been something like that or the things I remember didn't exist. I remember a house in Seattle. I remember a town in Peru. I remember mm-hmm. it. And if I went there and looked and they didn't exist, there's no house. There's no town. I would have been like, OK, there's some, you know, carry on and right. uh, I'll just have to get on with it. But the more I, then I looked up in your current, then I looked up the the program, the CIA program. I found funding. I found paperwork. I found the house exactly how I know it. I went to the house. I knew the roads. I knew the town. I knew the store. I knew where the candy was in the store. I knew the beaches nearby. And I can prove without a shadow of a doubt that I'd never been there in my life with my friends and family. It can vouch. I've never traveled to Seattle in my entire life till 2016. So how did I know the area that well? Because I lived there for two years in a 20 and back. And then, so these things are like, I could, couldn't ignore them. And I was reaching out to people like, please prove me wrong. You know, like I actually sit down with people in my, in my life and say, go, come on, go prove me. Let's do it. Because if I am wrong, I'll shut up and I'll move on. I'll, I'll, it's that simple, but it's everything. I, everything, every time I find a little shred of something to investigate, it doesn't, it's not a silver bullet where I can beat you over the head with it, but it checks out. It doesn't disprove me. It just supports, supports me every time, like hundreds of times. So, you know, that it, like I said, and that feels crazy to me. Like I, I go, man, and you know, I've been lucky. I've had some negative pushback, um, you know, trolls and such. And I just, for the most part, ignore them, but now they're kind of picking up and I go, man, you know, the, the ship has sailed for me to just kind of retract what I've said. I mean, the, the book is out, the book is full of, of the accountant. That's exactly how could I know all that? How could I know? a book's worth of stuff and say it in hundreds of interviews over six years and, and say the same story. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like it's, so um, I kind of moved away from, you know, they're going to, their skeptics are going to skeptic. And I think it's healthy. I think it'd be weird if there weren't skeptics of my story, um, but they're going to do their thing. But I, you know, it is what it is. I just laid it out there and, and that's my story. You know, that's what I remember. And it keeps checking out. That's what I mean. Just it's still like time. Time is the greatest lie detector, and yeah. time has supported me over time. Over the last six years, it's been more supportive than anything else. Like time hasn't really shot me down yet. So, um, you know, that's where. So, so with that being with that in mind, I keep talking. About, whenever somebody asks, I keep I keep talking about it because we should know this stuff. Like we should know what's going on. If this is, yeah. if you know what I mean? Like we're living in, we're living in a, in a, in a, Hey, I don't even like to use the word, but we're living in a retarded culture. Very and I don't mean that intelligently. I mean, technologically we've well, been retarded. Yeah, yeah. We've yeah. been stunted and we're living yeah. in a stunted existence. We're living with archaic stuff yes. and we're unaware of our real exist of the nature of our existence of what we really are, what we really are. And they are, they aren't, they're living high on the hog. The people that are behind the scenes that have, so they're underground bases. There are colonies inside bodies in the solar system. They've tunneled in and built cities and they're living, um, 
much better quality of life than we than we are we should have our we should have access to that because we're it's been on our backs and and we're all the same species you know we're human beings and we 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 should be living together on the same page you know it's that simple so uh uh hopefully soon well and crystals are uh something that we talked about off camera before because we just had dan on and he worked with dr vogel um you know, crystals are used in a lot of the technology, whether it's like for transportation systems or healing or, you know, the med beds. I mean, even in the physical 3D now, they're used in cell phones and computers and most of the medical um, technology that's out there. But there's still this other level. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you even held up a couple and said, you know, why don't people know about this? Like, were you and did you know any of that during the, the 20 and back or is so it? new well um uh, about the quartz stuff and the consciousness part of it no in, in the 20 and back they were very aware that consciousness can program reality they were very aware of it the series colony corp on a cultural level they that's why they were so arrogant mm. they they were behaving as if they were the most advanced smartest best people as if it already happened and they and by that way they were and it's a german thing from world war ii it's what is that called manifest destiny if i'm saying that right but they were absolutely practicing that on a cultural level the entire planet you know a quarter million people that were living in there at the time they were practicing that technique and like i i i told the story that um after a few years after like eight years of working on a ship i was out of shape and we they we i was on a ship i was on a spaceship we were on another planet and we had a layover and there was an ocean. And so we went out in the middle of the ocean. They put a cargo net down and they let us go swimming. And because we had like four hours to wait for whatever was cargo, whatever was going to happen. And so I went swimming and halfway up the cargo net, when I was climbing up, I was winded. And one of the one of the younger junior, uh, I don't want to say officer, but, you know, one of the junior uh, crew members came up next to me. He said, what are you doing? Waste, you know, because I was a slave. Basically, I wore a slave collar. He said, what are you doing resting? I said, I'm tired. And he, he reported me and I had to get, I had to go to PT, you know, after work, after the end of the shift, I had to, instead of going home or wherever I wanted to go, I had to go to the gym and run laps and do push-ups and all that. I had to get in shape. And that was like six months of that before that, you know what I mean? I had to get physical training during that time, the coach, there was a coach, like imagine like a gym teacher. I, I was having trouble running laps at first. And he said, your consciousness determines your reality. He said, when, when you're running, you see that wall? He's like, look at that wall like there's gravity and you're going down. And it's easy to run to that wall. And then when you turn the corner to the next wall, look at that wall like you're falling toward it. And your consciousness will help you and you'll get the last. He's like, do it. It's a state of mind. And so that was something that he taught me then that I always kind of remembered that lesson. And when I was a kid in school, I was doing the same thing. It was like a habit. It was like a bleed through memory. But looking back on what the things like you mentioned, Dan Willis, like the, I had him on my show and he explained the work, a lot of the work he did with um, Darth, uh, Dr. Vogel, Marcel Vogel. And I ran right out and bought a crystal. So, I mean, you know, there I was I was it's just mind blowing the the results that Dr. Vogel was having with um, the wine and healing and just on and on. There's so many uses because it, all it does is basically your thought process is the same shape as a like a water um, like a snowflake 
if I'm, I'm going to butcher this, but basically your thought process works the same way and a crystal can amplify it with your thought process, the same thing. So uh, like, like I said, imagining that the wall is down with a crystal, you know what I mean? Like it, it kind of can amplify that imagination, I guess. I'm saying that right. Like I'm still learning. So I'm a student of Dan of that information right now because it's just been so mind blowing, but they were very, um, the series colony was very aware of consciousness and the effect it has on reality. And so was the early program project grow flame and that I was in, in Inyo Kern in the early uh, parts of the book that I'm talk about, that was all about consciousness based, you know, uh, remote viewing and, and actually manipulating the future uh, toward into your favor uh, with, with certain, certain uh, techniques and technology. So, you know, the, the, through the programs, that was kind of like something that was, more uh, accepted, I guess, the way you wouldn't get it down on Main Street here. But I just didn't think of anything of it because I was a slave. I was not some, I was groomed to kind of shut up and do my, and, and do what I was told. I was not groomed to become somebody that could manifest something. Yeah. So they, they did their best to keep me afraid. That was really what happened was they reconditioned me to be afraid of everything. They wanted me to be afraid of my own shadow because that's somebody that doesn't empower themselves. And so that was a big life lesson. And um, you see it happen today. You know, the people that are having the hardest time in life are the ones that are afraid of little things. Yeah. And you'd have to, at some point, you have to just accept the fact that, yeah, uh, bad things do happen and can happen, but you can't let, you can't let the possibility of it cause you to not live your life. And mm -hmm. so that, I guess that looking back on it after the 20 years and then another 20, 35 years of being alive, you know, um, that's the takeaway from it is that, you know, you just got to quit being afraid of tomorrow and just get on with it. So that's really, really good. And one of my thoughts is as, as I'm <clears throat> going through the book um, is it, it feels to me like, you know, obviously we, we, we do live on a, on a prison planet here, you know, and whether people realize it or not, you know, we're very much enslaved in a three dimensional reality and, you know, we can talk about how that's breaking at the moment. I think we're, we're coming into a, oh, we've crossed a threshold of time where we're going through a, a kind of an ascension process and it's not pretty, it's not nice, you know, we're having to deal with our issues. Um, <clears throat> but oh, on that side of things, on, on the in the programs, it's very openly a slave system. You know, you, you are told you are a slave. And it's it, the majority, if I'm not mistaken, of the, the officers in charge are, are Germans, are they not? They speak German. Yeah. Um, and and it's On the very, series colony. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's very reflective of, of this planet um, and, and the mess that we found ourselves in. And, and it speaks to me how, um, you know, in, in the higher echelons of, of this, the control systems of this planet how how they are connected to these programs and they are they are dealing with things off planet um, and when you put two and two together it makes so much sense the situation we find ourselves in on this planet and, and what we're going through and what you know what we've experienced um so what i was thinking was did you have much bleed when you said talk about bleed through coming through um did you Kind of have synchronicities things that were really weird to you that happened before you kind of remembered what happened did you have any oh, memory yeah. of that you like things oh, yeah. like that was weird why, why did i just experience that you oh know? my whole life after the fact yeah. like especially in the teen years into my 20s into mm. till i was 28 or so um i had 
they were memories. So the different, they, I knew they weren't dreams. And it was the weirdest thing because there was absolutely no form of, you know, like nowadays you can Google, you can Google stuff like that. We didn't have Google and there was no, you know, UFOlogy was very, you know, do, are they exist? Do they exist? You know, somebody saw, it was, it was about seeing a craft, not really working on in one. And so UFOlogy was no help. And I, I went through, I started having these memories and I always remembered the first 30 minutes of the abduction, the ETs. I always remember that crystal clear. Like those first 30 minutes did not get erased when they put me back. It, they did for a couple of weeks, you know, a, a, a month later, I started remembering seeing the face. And I, I, you know, like those, that first series of events, I always remembered. And so I was always looking, I studied um, the Bible. I read the Bible, looking, there got to be ETs in there if this is real. If the Bible's real and ETs are real, then they should be Bibles in the ET, in ETs in the Bible. And so it wasn't clearly, um, you know what I mean? Like there are, when you look back, like Ezekiel's basically an abduction. Um, right. He's kind of shrouded in there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's um, veiled, you know, yeah. the ET yeah. stuff of the Bible. But yeah. so then I read the Torah and I read the Quran and I started reading every religious text I could get. And the Chan Buddha had some, but um, in the early years, they were not, they weren't dreams. They were while I was dreaming, but it's much different because I would wake up and I would remember being on a, I would remember like the geyser, you know, in the book, there was a time when we flew over the geyser, we flew over the O'Cotter crater and we saw we were watching the geyser go off because it's rare that it happens. So we made sure that they gave us time away from our post. We could go up to the observation deck and look out the windows and see the geyser. It was beautiful. It was a once in a lifetime thing, but dreaming about it doesn't have the rest that early morning of getting up that morning and riding the train and going home that day and leaving my job and feeling sore and the conversations afterwards and the next week and you know and the memories you know when you're when you're when you're walking down the beach in a dream you don't know how you got there when you're walking down the beach in your memory you remember where you parked your car and the, i i was experiencing dreams that had where i parked my car and you 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 know i'm speaking metaphorically but so I knew they weren't dreams. I knew there was something more to that. I was like, when could that have happened? And the time difference, like I had, I had chronological memory of being born in Michigan and living my life in Michigan. And, and when could that have happened? Even though they were, they seemed to bleed through at the same age. So, you know, when I was 25 years old in the 20 and back, when I was 25 years old in earth, I was getting those, there are times when, you know, we were sharing whatever, however that, however that works. I don't know, man, I'm not a shaman, about it. but it seemed to be, it seemed to be as they were happening, that things, things would, um, things would manifest as they were happening to the other me that was up there. So wow. think when I had events happen there, I would have events happen here that were mirrored it. Wow. And uh, I look back, so this is something I don't ever talk about. I've never mentioned, but, and I won't go into super detail about it. It's personal, but there were times in the last few years, like in my late twenties, like 28, 27 years old that I looked and I kept having the same kind of series of events like repeat. And what I found was that every time that it happened, Ceres was in opposition to the earth. Uh -uh. So the orbit of Ceres, when Ceres was far away, Things were different. And when Sirius yeah. got in the opposition of the earth, I had the same series. I had the same sequence of events keep happening. Interesting. And, Very interesting. Uh, it was personal, so I don't want to go into it. But yeah, I, yeah, there, there was something to that. So, and I look back and I think about it, it's mind blowing to think that, you know, I was on series listening over the, listening to the loudspeaker over the loudspeaker and say, we're in the opposition of the earth now. Like they would tell us that they would say series is closest to the earth now. 
but uh, we're not doing any missions there. And we would tell us when we we're in opposition to Jupiter that, because we flew to Jupiter quite often. Uh-huh. And um, so that was something that they announced to us then. But here on Earth, I kept having things happen that I, why did that happen? And it hasn't, it was like, it was like uh, 18 months ago that the same exact thing happened to me. What is that? And I looked and sure enough, Ceres was, was in opposition to the Earth at the same time. So there's, wow. Your consciousness affects your reality, and I mean that in a literal sense. Like, your consciousness literally can affect the events that are going to happen to you in the future. We all kind of astrally get permission from each other, and we we our subconscious works to manifest things happen. So, people don't really have the you know there are people that always have the same bad luck or the same good luck, mm-hmm. and it's not luck. It's mm-hmm. not. It's your subconscious manifesting it for right. whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Do you do you get ever mixed up in like timelines and or like like I know a big thing for me is I have trouble remembering dates and times and like um, even directions at times of like having to use a GPS for somewhere I've been a hundred times or uh, like I'll talk to my husband and I'll say remember that thing we did a couple of weeks ago and he'll be like maybe that was like nine years ago or eight years ago or yeah it's like does your time perception i feel like my time clock is broke or something giddy with excitement that you asked that question (laughs) what i've learned from working with people is that's the single most important thing is so so i'm right i have a book i have it's another it's like a notepad it's a it's a long-term memory aid that i'm publishing i'm in the middle of work like i'm hoping i was hoping to have it done last week but it's like cover art it's got uh what do you call it uh copyright stuff so i'm trying to get art together but whatever it's just a it's a it's a pad that i turn sideways and i put pips on the bottom and on the top and i have an i have instructions because that's really how i'm sorting people out people come to me it's very rare that i find somebody that's i think is bsing me but the ones that they don't know they're like man i don't know what happened this happens i just want to tell you and you tell me what you think and what i've what i do is I go, okay, and we're in a Zoom, and I go, okay, so tell when did that first, when were you born? Okay, and then when was your first, when was your first weird thing? Then what happened? And then what happened? It was mom or dad in the military. Most of the time, yes. Grandpa, mom, dad, neighbor, somebody's in the Navy. Um, but then I go, okay, keep going. And then usually, at, usually halfway through, I can go, now wait a minute, what happened in 2005? And they go, how'd you know? And because you can roll the clock forward 20 years and there's life events. So it happened the same for me. And when you're involved in these programs, the things have, you know, there's, it's in a 20 year increment. There's a lot, there's a lot to it. It's not just the program. It's like the, there's a heartbeat of the earth. There's like an energetic thing. But um, what I found is that, so think about it like this. You're short. We have, we have memory, everybody, everybody watching this, hopefully. And us, we have, we have different forms of memory. We have short-term memory which is very strong because you use it all the time. You're going to use your short-term memory here within the next 15 minutes. You're going to remember something from a short time ago. Then we have kind of a midterm uh, memory that's like six months to now. And then you have long-term memory, which we hardly ever use. Hardly any, you don't use it. You don't need to. It's only when you run into somebody from your past that you begin to reminisce of things long ago or, you know, out of necessity, like I got to, you know, I'm getting sued for what happened in the eighties, whatever, you know what I mean? So your long-term memory is, is weak, is a weak muscle. Is a very atrophied thing. What I've found is that the reason the short-term memory is so strong, or one reason that lends to it, is because you have the uh, chrono, you have the chron- chronology of, of events. So you think about it like this: you go, well, 
you know, when when was that when was that uh when did you get in your car crash? And I go, well, I don't know. I just got it out of the body shop a week ago, so two weeks before that. So you have those bullet points of when it happened. So you can just extrapolate. You go, well, today is, you know, April twenty uh, something, right? So I go two weeks. I got my truck out of the shop last week, and the two weeks before that. So I can pull the date out. It was right around April, the beginning of April. I got in that crash. Your long term memory doesn't have that luxury whatsoever because you go, when did you get in that crash in the nineties? I go, I don't know. Did we live? Where did we even live back then? I don't know. It might have been 91. It might have been 98. I don't remember because you don't have the rest of the chronology. So what I've found is when I work with people, I go, okay. And I go, well, you were born. When was your first weird thing? Where did you live? When did you move? And when I start getting those years sorted out, and then once you build that chronology and I go, you know what I mean? Like, when did you get in that car crash in the nineties? I go, what car was, it? well, it was the Ford. Well, we got rid of the Ford in 95. So it was before 95. I bought the Ford in 93. So, so you, you understand like you narrow that window down and it works exactly like the short-term memory and it enables figuring out the, the time span of events helps you really just kind of zoom in on them and unpack them out of your memory. Because your memory is just as good in the past as it is for yesterday or five minutes ago. It's the same, it's the same stuff. It's mm -hmm. just that you, have a, you recall the, five, the entire five minutes ago. So your memory is very fresh and, we, and you use it all day, every day. It's a tough muscle it's like a heart muscle it's you don't even think about it but your older memories your long-term memory is a muscle that you actually have to lift and it requires effort and so the the aid that i'm coming together is kind of like that just a timeline what i found is when people make those bullet points and go okay so i was born in 85 and then it was uh 91 and then i was about six and i had something weird and then it was 95 when i think i was taken i saw gray in my bedroom and, and then it was uh you know so and so this time and this time once they fill that out and i go now sleep on it don't think about anything do shelf it put it on a shelf for a day for a week and come back they always 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 come back and go man i remember so much more wow. because the because they have that now there's a time frame of when it happened other than just a garbled mess of i don't know i don't freaking know and so that's, you know, I'm not a doctor. I'm not somebody that was educated for this. I just lived it. And I've had the, I've had the, you know, a fortune or misfortune, whatever of people contacting me and telling me their own stories times a thousand. And that's what I've deducted is that the long-term memory really needs address addresses of when the memory happened and when everybody remembers where it's easy to remember where something happened long ago. But when is a kind of a, you know, we just don't think about it. Once it drifts into the past after six, after that six month mark, your, your long-term memories just kind of just fade away. And there are things that are only, you only remember the bullet points, you know, that trip, <laughs> the trip to Vegas. I remember that. That was great. And then, but you don't remember the day-to-day -day grind unless you really work at it. And so that's what you got to Once you get the wins, it's, it fills in naturally. Well, I think. Chatterbox. Sorry. No, no, no. This is. No, it's brilliant. I think to the where you could see the pictures. I mean, you may not be able to identify the images of where, but with time, you don't see clocks. You don't, you're not you're not looking. You don't see numbers. And when you're going in your memory, but I see images, and so maybe that's part of the broken time clock kind of situation. But um, yeah, now that you're saying that, I'm glad you're making this tool because that's what you did with me whenever I started is you're just like, write it down. And it, it does work. It, it did help fill in some gaps there. Uh, some things I didn't want to know. And sometimes some things I was like, oh, okay, yeah. Um, but, and it helped. 
it's 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 um there's no way to sort it out so i always tell people going into it you know you're gonna start remembering things look there's no way to sort out the good from the bad a lot of and and it's a tell for people that are lying because all of a sudden their story is all good stuff it's all (laughs) great i was in the space program they put me in charge i went to the moon they put me in charge up there i was a general then i went to mars i was i ran an army and i had this super house you know what I mean? Like the really grandier stuff where it's all good news and there's nothing bad ever happened. All bad happened to the other guys because we kicked their butt. And that's a tell that, you know what I mean? Like that's kind of a tell because life doesn't work like that either. Wait, you know, if I, if I really ask anybody, you guys or anybody, I can, I can, everybody's had some trauma some in some form. There's just no way. So that's how life works, you know? And uh, when you start re- remembering, when you start dredging up and remembering old memories you got to be you got to be ready to accept the bad too and yeah. some secret space programs some of these programs are very aggressive because of the technology they have they have technology to heal you if you get killed damn near killed yeah. and so you can be very they can schedule the very aggressive actions and so people see horrible things they see gory things they see bad things and and the nature of the the culture up there because everybody was aware that they were going back and that your body, you couldn't get pregnant, you couldn't get VD. So the the morals of it are also, you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I'm just gonna spill, I'm just gonna spill it on the table here. And I'm just gonna kind of regurgitate this, but the sexuality um, is another part of things that'll make you forget, to make you not wanna remember. So it's because it's a different part of your brain. It's a more, it's a basic software part of your mind. Your mind has several level, layers of where the consciousness is and your sexuality and your, your appetite and your sexuality and your need to stay warm and such is on a, you know, on a very, the reptile brain. And so when they access that, traumatize that area, it supersedes the, the rest of the brain. And when you start remembering those things, you don't want to remember. It's part of the block. So that culture combined with that, you know, they, the sexuality up there is not, not what it is down here. It just wasn't just wasn't for most people some programs depending on the the um the utility of the person in the program how useful they were some people were coddled and very you know shielded from that any kind of trauma but other people were treated very badly sexually and and culturally in the culture and people that even had great jobs they get treated bad up there and so when they start to get their memories back it's a it's a real roadblock it's a real it's a block because you have to accept you know, that I was a big, you know, if you're living everything in your life is pretty well going, clipping along great. And then you have, like in my instance, when I got my memories back, I was, you know, I had a house on Maui, man. I was in kids and, you know, I was living a pretty good, I was working hard. I was overworked, but I had a good lifestyle and I didn't want to remember this stuff. I didn't want to deal with what with the trauma. And I went, that happened to me. You know what I mean? Like, and by the time I got embarrassed talking about it, it was too late. It was already public. <laughs> If I would have thought thought back on it, and the the other thing is, but because of, because it's so fantastical that people can be skeptical that I really couldn't. I don't have the ability to pick and choose. Like I, there's no way I could hide part of my testimony if somebody was asking me about it and lie around, lie on my feet. You know what I mean? Like I I don't have that ability. I just don't. And so um, I had to tell it all. You know everything, and it's embarrassing when I when people. My sister bought my book. <laughs> and uh, I haven't spoken to her about it because I'm embarrassed. Because it's like it's like, it's like my most sister, ridiculous. Yeah, my sister got a hold of my diary, 
you know what I mean? Like that's what it feels like. It's like a yeah, yeah. So my book is like the whole world's got my diary out there. And <laughs> well, I mean, I'm very grateful for you doing it. I mean, like I said at the beginning, you know, you really are vulnerable um, and, and, and very open about your experiences and what ha what happened to you. I mean, it's horrible, absolutely horrible. You know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it's, it's not a pleasant read at times, but it's a necessary read to understand the program and, and the, inhumaneness of it at times but um you know coming back into sort of normality um you know i wanted to bring up a little bit about um uh i i've not i've not finished this section yet but but maria you know I, you know you did you did have a positive relational experience didn't you i did um the same way that i said earlier that um everybody i talked to i can figure out you know, I can ask, I can sit down with you, Craig, probably, and we can sit down over lunch and I can ask you about your life. And if you're candid with me, I can find horrible things that you went through. You know what I mean? Like in your life and just in day to day. And I can do that with everybody. Everybody's got things that, you know, hurt them mm. the same way that, and I caught flack in early interviews. I remember that people, I had some really bad YouTube comments because they said, oh, he sounded like he liked it up there. You know, like, oh, he was a slave. Yeah, right. Whatever. He sounded like he liked it. He was enjoying it because that part of the interview covered those years. At the end of my time up there, I had gone from being somebody very greatly abused, a kid, very greatly abused, and then enslaved and then working slave labor to somebody that had a paycheck, 20 bucks here and there. But I had the ability to move around. And then I had a girlfriend and somebody that was sexually abused early on at a young age in their programs to get up and actually have a girlfriend who was actually quite beautiful. She was a wonderful, she was a beautiful soul of a person. And so for me, that was like, um, you know, the distance of being a millionaire turning into a billionaire or being broke and turning into a millionaire. Like I had a great, it was achievement, even though it wasn't much. So in the book, it covers that, but the same way that somebody can lead a great life and still have trauma. I was somebody up there that was living a not great life and still have a few moments of, you know, love and, and just, just, I had my days. I had days that were, that were great days. I had, I had fun. We had fun. There were times when we were on the ship working, we had a great time. The guys, we all joked. It was lighthearted, light work day. And we had, we were traveling through cosmos. I mean, there were all the planets. It was exciting. Mm -hmm. I ain't going to lie. I mean, there were times when I, I, I knew that I was going to miss the travel, the going to other worlds. I knew that. I knew that we all did. We said, I hate this, but, you know, that's amazing. When we look out the window, that's crazy to think about where we're at right now. Just the thought of it, you know, was an amazing feeling, I, you know, to be to be honest. That doesn't mean I enjoyed being a slave or my predicament. You know, I would love to. People ask me all the time, don't you want to go back to series? And I said, yeah, as a free man, you know, yeah. I'd love to go back and as on holiday. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to go back there and have, you know, like um, some freedom about it. Yeah. But yeah. She was an achieve, you know, the person I was because I had amnesia. And the day I woke up into the 20 years, I had no memory of mom or dad or where I came from. And I was very badly, you know, it was like being a kid in a foster care. So I was very emotionally, um, and then going through the mind control, the mind breaking. So I was a very emotionally, um, I don't even weak isn't even the right word. I was an emotionally broke. I was uh, completely destroyed, destroyed yeah. emotionally, uh, you know, and then it healed over time as I got good at, as I became necessary. 
So when I got good at what I was doing, I it was there was a small amount of pride there, and I I that healed. That made me feel better. It was my achievement of my workday that made me feel good about myself. That repaired that early damages, and then to have so somebody care about me that that was in demand by other people. To have Marie, there was a beautiful girl. She was a slave herself, and you know what I mean. But she was a, a beautiful person, and to have her care about me, I was. Um, you know, that was a big thing. That was a big deal to me. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure what your question, where, where your question left off. No, just did that. That's COVID. It's just, just, just to sort of expand on it a little bit, that there, there was a positive sort of love experience, despite all the horrific sort of sexual trauma and the, the, the horrible things, you know. Um, Sean, I do, the, sorry, go on. I do want to mention that other people I've spoken to, and I, I can't, mention their name but other people that have spoken publicly and have had quite credible um testimonies that have been researched and pro- had dredged up proof other people that come forward guys that have come forward said that they had the same kind of thing like they were in love when they left and i got to think that that's one thing that motivate it was the prime motivator for me to remember yes you did the way say back that. i yeah. wanted to remember i did not want to i it was like i wanted to forget everything that happened but i didn't want to forget her i left in the middle we were separated in the in the height of our relationship. You know, every relationship, some some last longer than others. Some last your whole life, but every relationship has a kind of a meeting and then a thing, and then it settles down. And then, you know, most relationships have a short lifespan or a couple of years, and they end. And we were in that. We were still in that upswing. We were right at peaking in how we felt for each other when we were separated. When they put me back. When I ran out of time. And so that whole time, that's that's all I could think about was not forgetting her. And so I think that that, you know, like I said, there's a perfect storm. There's many reasons why that you could say why I remember. Uh, I'm curious, like, I wonder where, where she is now. Like, have you thought about how, where she could be now? If she's there, if she's here. You're not getting that out of me. And (laughs) and ages too. Can you be one age there and then like, but be in different ages of where they are now and like how, because they can, they can do all that. They can change everything, you know. So, so in my case, when I look back on it, it all lines up. So taken at 10, went till 30, and put back at 10. And then in my real life, those events happened at the same time. And then after the age of 30, it's a long story, but it was really 28 because the mission, the ship was going. We were leaving in the morning and coming back in the morning at the same time. The ship had a little, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, a time dilation mm-hmm. so we had more time series had like a 20 hour day or something and night 20 hour day on the clock yeah but we got two eight hours of work time so we worked 16 and got eight hours of sleep because or, or you know we got plenty of time off because the ship would leave at seven o'clock and get back at 6 55 in the morning five minutes before so because of that those days added up over eight years to two years off so in in earth time it was 20, it was 18 years. Mm. But in my time up there, it was a 20 years. They cap it at 20. So it's whatever complicated. And I hate losing people, but but I'm being truthful when I talk about it. That's why I'm saying I'm just trying to be truthful. Yeah, you, yeah it makes sense. Yeah. And explain the but, tw- why does it have to be 20 too? Because I mean, 20, like what? Explain couple, that. A couple of things. So again, so when I'm saying that, how my time added up, there are other people that are coming forward with testimonies today that have completely different things. There are people that say that they've been gone 60 years and they come back and they do it hundreds of times. And I'm not saying that that's not possible because I really don't know. 
I truth is I just don't know. I don't have a yes or no on that. So other people are coming forward. I got to take it. I, I kind of take um, all the information as as what it is, and we'll wait and see. You know what I mean? The time will tell. That's what I mean. Time is the best lie detector there is. So far, it hasn't. It's proven me right. I was told when I asked because I asked that on the very on day one when I'm I'm sitting there in a laboratory with a, a reptilian and a couple grays. They said we're going to take you for twenty years, and he explained the process. And I said, why not fifty? Why not 40 years? Why not 30 years? Why just 20? Um, and he said, all species with what we're doing with you after 20 years, the, the likelihood of we, us putting you back and you having uh, insanity is very great. Mm. So we cap it at 20 years. You could go 25 years, you could go 30, but or you could go 21 years and come back and we will put you back and you'll go insane. And mm. so because of that, there's a safety net. And he said, yeah. all species, not just humans. And so maybe it was that, you know, and I'm speculating, maybe it was just that tech. And maybe I think there's more than one way to do it. Once you get into that, you know what I mean? Like what, what they're doing, that life extension tech, time dilation. I think there's more than one way to do it. So there's definitely possibilities of people going longer or shorter. I, we definitely know that the young kids go for weeks. So they take kids that are under four or five years old and they take them, they take them out of their house at night and they take them for a week and they put them back the same night. So they're getting time dilation on earth on earth in military programs and they're being taken for two three days groomed tested groomed put back and then they come back six months later take them for a week or two so we know that that's happening that's very actually widespread with the my lab people um a lot of people are saying that so we know that that's something that they do and then and then at a certain age 12 12 for the girls uh 12 11 12 for the psychic boys 17 for the soldier boys that they're taking and then they do the 20 years and then people that have more of the not not limited to but more likely more often the caucasian genetics the european um scandinavian genetics those people are going and they go 20 years and then they live their 20 years on earth and then they take them and do it again they do 40 years and so we're i'm seeing a lot of that pop up and those are hard to unwind because one bleeds into another the memories are, when you work with somebody like that it's really hard to unwind it uh they tend they tend to do their first 20 years in a traumatic sense and their second 20 years in a professional sense. So, okay. okay. Do you find that the professional sense leads over into the real life when they, uh, have you ever heard about people who may have a job up there and then they come back and they end up going into the kind of same job? Not the same job, but the same talent. Um, people that are very talented in those programs tend to come back here and be, just as just as skillful at different stuff um just probably why they they take people and and in the first place because they kind of see that they have a certain tool set, well, or set we're way down the road at this so this is a mature technology and this is a these are mature systems that are in place so they're not taking people that they don't know anything about they're taking the kids of kids that they took back in the 50s and 60s mm. so um my heart is right. So this is a genetic thing. Like that's what the whole monarch thing is, is that, you know, like the, the, the nut doesn't fall too far from the tree. So we're, we see it all the time in professional sports. You look at professional sports and you go, if only there was a benchmark for people that had outstanding physical ability, mm. 
There is. They're called professional sports. So all those people are on their radar and their kids tend to be great, awesome at sports too. So we see the genetics play out. We take people that are very smart and college students, their parents are on the board or alumni, and those kids are breezing through college because the, the aptitude and the genetic memory, the Monarch program proved genetic memory through the butterflies navigating. So that's what, that's what these programs are after. They're not just willy nilly. They took me willing. They took me run of the mill because of what I was, but that's where they put me was in a laborist thing. Mm. So, um, Wow. I, I just, <laughs> okay, Sean, yeah. um, I guess it, w one major question before we, we finish for me is, um, do you think that you, what, what you experienced and what you're now doing was some kind of higher pre-agreed soul mission for you to help people at this time and what we're going through? That's a, pretty awesome question that's a good question and um you know i don't think i have a definite answer for it i believe i believe that i had so if i would i believe and i i think about this because it's amazing to me what i'm doing um that the yeah. people that reach out to me and when i when i do con consults and like it's weird it's like having the answer to things without knowing how I got the answer to things, you know, because of that life, because all those memories are there. I just don't use them until somebody asks me about them. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I would have had potential. So I think that where I'm at in my life right now, if I would have never happened, gone into the program, that I would have been something equally doing what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like, I think I would have had the same impact on the world yeah. Yeah. in my life because of my potential, because everybody has, you know, everybody has a certain shines with a certain brightness. And they took me and I don't think that I was the typical guy. I think for the program that I went through, they were taking people, like I said, that were criminals and people that were a different brightness, if you will. And I was somebody that didn't belong there. And so they, here we are, you know, down the road that I that I kind of um, got revenge by remembering it. That's that's the deal is I, I think I was just somebody that had that amount of brightness. And if I wouldn't have gone in these programs, I would have done something different. Like it did stump my growth um when i got back i i was a straight a student i was an outstanding student and i went to d's and e's immediately i totally withdrew from everything and it did stump my life and i have emotional problems like all through my 20s i was i i i was just a basket i was a weird guy girls would go on one date with me not two because i was weird you know i was i i didn't know why i had <laughs> Well, I was weird and I still, you know, I mean, I still kind of am, but um, I sorted out a lot of it after now that I know why, you know, at least I can make sense of it all. But, you know, what I'm saying is those years that I was taken during that in my real life, I was very not much, not what I should have been, what I would have been if they would have left me alone. So my higher self or whatever my, my destiny was, um, you know, I think fills in, I think life fills in where it can and is yeah. the most efficient. And that's what happened to me. So I don't know if I chose it, pre-chose it or whatever. I mean, I won't know until I'm dead, I guess. Nonetheless. <laughs> well, good, good I, question. I know that we are glad and so many people out there are glad. Um, yeah. I, I work with a lot of the women involved and stuff. I, I try to keep it on the women sort. But when I do get guys who come to me for um, help in sorting things out, I send them to you. So I had two this week that I, I sent to you because I just for, you know, just because of some of the stuff that people talk about may not want to talk about 
some of those the sexual stuff with mm. I don't you know what I mean like I try to just keep it boys with the boys and the girls with the girls maybe yeah. I'm old school but um just thinking that people might be a little more comfortable talking to a guy about that so mm. um, but I um I mean just you've helped me help me and so many people whether it's a calling or a thing you would have done anyway or whatever the fact that you're choosing and making the free will choice to be who you are and do what you do and be authentic yeah. what you're doing it and using what may have been against you you know for a higher purpose um i'm just incredibly um appreciative and have so much gratitude and i know hundreds and thousands of you know tons of people i want to say hundreds of thousands but thousands of people that we've done shows with and people have got on your name comes up and people have said oh yeah he's helped me or this has helped me so where can wow. people go yeah i mean you're one of the credible interest you know people most credible yeah in my opinion are tr truly like not cuckoo you know doing all the drugs and can't really talk to them or put sentences together you know the fact that you can remember you're down to earth you're authentic you're honest mm -hmm. and um and just easy to talk to you know able to communicate able to help so many people that has been uh, one of the real driving forces of, of of why i refer people to you and speaking of where go ahead and tell everyone where they can contact you if they're having these kind of things like um go ahead and put it out there and then of course where can people get your book because this is absolutely important for anyone it's a really good read really so good. The, the book is in kindle and paperback it's on amazon but there's a link to it on my website there's a uh you can contact me. You can email me through my website and book time or look at directly. There's a memory course to help people like mm -hmm. with exercise. It's not hypnotic regression. It's like prior to that. Like these are exercises that will help. There's a course and there's things that I just had to monetize, you know, but um, it's TonyRodrigues.com. Just like if you can see my name down here, it's just it's the same as that, but dot com. And it's got the links to the book. It's got links to interviews. I have a show on Patreon that I do. And uh, because I did, I am, I am a little shadow band. I used to be the first three pages of Tony Rodriguez on Google and now mm -hmm. I'm not, and now I'm barely on there. There's a bunch of other guys that are way ahead of me that have, that don't do shows in front of hundreds of thousands of people. Well, and it's odd that they're way, they're like pages. Ahead. So I've been shadow banned on Google. When you go to, uh, I think it's Bing that I, that you go Tony Rodriguez and I'll come up more off. All my stuff comes up, but I, I have been shadow banned. We, this subject matter is being, slowly swept aside yeah and so it's important to know so that's why i'm so happy that the book is out like they can't undo the hardcover book that's physically in your hand yeah. and so because i've had you know i've done hundreds of interviews and i know that like half more than half of them are gone that are not that are not there anymore so but tonyrodriggs.com yes and for those of you guys watching um he's bringing up a really good point i hope that you will share this with other people and get it out there and share it in groups you know send it to your friends whatever because you never know who's maybe going through something and just not really wanting to talk to anyone about it or not knowing who to talk to because i know when i was going through my stuff um i was actually going through a thing with my child who was seeing a counselor and you know i i, I would mentally think to myself well, what if I just went and made this counseling appointment with this lady and just started telling her, I would sit there and like imagine telling her 
what <laughs> kind of the stuff that I got to tell Tony and they would have locked me up. You know, it would have been like, see ya. But uh, yeah, so this is a safe, secure place when you're working with him. And, um, you know, he's heard all kinds of things and, and maybe you'll have new things, but he also sees patterns and he's able, because he's heard so many testimonies now, you know, he, he can, um, you know, definitely help you in, in making yourself feel like a little less crazy and putting some things together because he'll, you know, like my pattern with the chair. Um, I, I went, I went to, um, the dentist just in the last couple year, was it last year, Craig? I don't know. Yeah. It's about a year or two ago. Yeah. Maybe 18 months. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'd been to the dentist as a kid and it didn't bother me. And then I, when the stuff bled through, I go to the dentist, I sat there, I could not, I had to go in the bathroom and sit down and, and hold my hands because I was shaking so hard. I had it on video of just not being able to get myself together to go back into the chair. And so, uh, and then I talked to Tony about it and he's like, Oh yeah, that, that was a, a, you know, and, or actually he were on a show with me and you brought it up and I was like, Oh my God, I had I just talked to my husband and Craig and some others about this and have a, a video of my hands shaking so almost violently my whole body you know so he'll he has those things where he can go yep yep you know and and you you'll definitely feel i i don't want to say i mean there's a part of me when i re remembered and had some things validated that are like whew, like thank god in a weird way but it's also like oh my god that happened mm -hmm. and so there's this mix but also you know coming on the end of it it's there it's like a healing it's it's to to be validated and to to know that you're not insane and um there it, it is it does bring relief a, a bit to go that's why you know so i i really do encourage you guys if you're feeling that to to reach out to to them and um and to get on his patreon and to take the courses and definitely get the book um because it's yeah. been yeah. a real key for me and just being able to get back to some kind of a normal situation, <laughs> but yeah. So thank you personally. And, and Craig, do you have any final words before we pop off to you? And then I'll give Tony the last word. Yeah, no, I'm just super grateful, Tony, to be able to talk to you. Like I say, I was just thinking then when Sean, I was talking that like in a weird way, I, it's probably cause I've read your book. I feel like I know you. <laughs> um, and it's just, just thank you for being vulnerable and, and open and honest about your experiences. I mean, you really are um, one, of the, one of the pioneering voices talking about this stuff publicly. And obviously, you know, I know you're getting flack, but, um, you know, we just want to be a safe community for people to be able to talk about memories, experiences without judgment or, or you know, like ridicule. And, and you're doing a, an amazing job and I can't thank you enough. So, so thank you, Tony. I th thank you. Um, you guys are you guys are being good, to, really good to me today. So um, I'll take it. I won't I won't let it go to my head. But thank you so much. Um, I, I I would touch on that, and I would say that you know, right now, the, I mean, there's a lot of people that are coming forward saying that they've participated in these, and there are some people that I, there are a few people that I feel that are very disingenuous. To be honest with you, I think that there are people from letter agencies that are sent to. Um, dissipate, dissipate. They don't misinform, but they dissipate the the information. And so I think that that's really they really ramped up. They kind of got on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't matter because we're gonna. There's no choice of of 
in the future, it's not, it's not if, it's when, of a disclosure where we're going to learn about other societies in not only in on other planets and other star systems interacting with us and others, but within our own solar system. We're going to learn about this. It's you know, if, if it's a thousand years from now, it's going to happen. And so when that happens, everybody. So right now, like people see our, it's a small audience, and let's say a, a one hundredth of one percent of the audience go looks at my testimony and goes, oh my God, I remember going through that too. Right. So what happens when it's 7 million people mm -hmm. and you get what I mean? Like it's going to, it's going to sooner or later, we're going to have to really normalize this information. Yeah. It's going to have to be normal and people are going to have to be able to talk about it. Like you said, um, yeah. Chanel, because we're just going to have to grow up as a society. They want to keep us dumb. They want to keep us where you laugh at people. They want, you know, something bad happens to a guy. You want to laugh at them. That's what they want us to do. They want us to be petty and they want us to act like a child race. And at some point we're going to have to grow up and we're going to have to really all take, you know, a, everybody get honest with ourselves and B everybody, let everybody get honest. People tell lies because they're afraid of what the other person's going to not accept. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to, if you don't accept what you really are, because all society is accepting something else, you have to lie. You're not, you know, so we have to enter into that because that's the next step after that is once we get into space, we're going to come in contact with races that are telepathic yes. and there's no lying. Yeah. That's why they're not emotional. That's why the human race is so emotional because we have secrets. <laughs> and so these right, these other races that communicate, they can see everything. There's no lies. They don't get emotional when they find out the Craig, the stupid move you did last, last week, the stupid thing you did last weekend. They're not going to get mad at you. about you it know. Because, they go ahead. <laughs> Cause I did it too, man. <laughs> But, you know, look, that's where we got to go. That's what the society is going in that direction. And people are, we're going to have to be brutally honest with ourselves first. And we're going to have to accept brutal honesty without an emotional reaction, whether because there's a lot of things that happen every day that we don't want to know. And yeah. so that's that's where we're at. That's the beginning of disclosure. Disclosure is going to lead to that chain, that magnitude of society. We're just all going to have to grow up, man. And it's grassroots as well. We talked about the old Dan Willis, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's yep. grassroots. Yeah, and I mean, with the disclosure situation, I mean, even when Trump came out with this, the Space Force, within like, I think a day, Netflix had this thing to mock it, you know, just right. sure, no one's serious, you know, so they use entertainment and, and, and that just goes back to keeping everyone afraid, keeping everyone in prison, you know, whether it's the trails, the food, you know, uh, the the thing in the arm all the stuff that to keep everybody dumb and in fear and the media you know just so nobody would actually uh remember their their either their, their past or um uh, their purpose here now or, or not want to talk about it yes yeah um because that makes everyone look weird and like oh that can't be real so um so yeah you you've brought so many amazing things to the surface here today and again i just tell everybody you know, check check this out. Grab this book. Um, it's definitely worth every single page. And um, go to his website. And um, I'm just forever thankful for your service to everyone and um, everyone else too. Also, go to swiftfire.org and um, get on the newsletter. If you haven't hit the subscribe button, hit the subscribe button. We have a few other cool interviews coming up. We stay pretty booked, and I would love to join us. Please do make sure and share this video uh, I mentioned before um, with being shadow banned. Uh, the only way is to really put, you know, have you guys help us grassroots to get the word out. So um, 
thank you guys for your time and um thanks for all your education and and just for your love and we'll we'll see each other again soon i guess Speak soon. okay thanks right. bye-bye